0: hey this is Shannon Burchard and you're listening to Tobin tonight
1: I want to ask you like how did you originally get involved in curling because I've we've had other curlers on. We've had Carrie on. I even asked Carrie. I'm like, okay, give me some dirt, and she was like, no, I'm not giving you anything. I was like, Carrie, that was the
0: whole deal. My dad, he was uh, involved in curling when he was growing up. My grandfather was one of the founders of the Ontario Curling Report, so he was pretty involved in the on- Ontario curling scene, and that's where my dad grew up. And then when my dad grew or moved to Winnipeg and met my mom and had kids, it was kind of his thought that we both would try curling and if we really loved it, then we could stick with it. And he did. So that's, that's how it all ended up.
1: Was there any other sports that you were like interested in or even said like, you know, I like, I like curling, but I'm going to try this because I I always like bowling. Now I've tried my hand at basketball hockey just wasn't my thing, but I feel like it's less interesting to go to someone when you're younger and hockey players will be like, Hey, I got a hockey game do you, tonight. Do you want to watch me? And then they'll go, yeah. I don't think that line works with bowling where it's like, Hey, the weekend bowling tournament, you want to watch me bowl? They're like, get out of here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually was lucky enough to play quite a few sports growing up. I didn't really have like a full-time winter sport. So curling definitely became that for me, but I played a lot of soccer, volleyball, badminton as well. So I I was lucky enough to play quite a few sports, but curling is definitely the one that captured my heart and made me dream big
1: now you've been very successful in curling at a young age to the point where i am 30 well i'm going to be 31 this year and i'm looking and i'm like okay she's 28 she's accomplished this this and this what have you done at 28 and i'm like uh let's not go down that road <laughs> i'm like i don't want to go down that road but like has it sunk in when you win your first say scotties then you go back and win your second skies? like do you look at it as if to say like i'm still young there's still more to accomplish or are you kind of like oh like look at how much success i'm having now and i'm still young What's left? Like, what else can I do?
0: Uh, No, definitely. I think there's still quite a, quite a long list that I would love to accomplish in this game. I definitely didn't think I'd be where I am right now at this age. uh, So it's pretty cool that I am, but obviously our big goal as a team this year, didn't come to fruition and that was winning the Olympic trials. So uh, we're ready to give it another shot this next quad and hopefully yeah. that works out for us. And uh, yeah, I think we, we want to keep going for those Scotty's titles as well and eventually get back to the worlds and, and go for gold.
1: Do you think like, that's like the one thing that's kind of like, uh, the whole season. Cause like, you've done really well this year. I've like watching it on TV. Like there's grand slams you've won. There's obviously Scotty's uh, the one in the bubble. I always think is funny just because you know, it's a bubble and it's like, all right, you can really, I, I think it's like the first time in curling that you could really kind of impact. Like you could hear people talking in the background, like, you know, your opponent. And I'm like, wow. It's like, I never picked up on that. I'm like in hockey, it's trash talking from the bench and you don't really know what the coach is saying. Cause you're on the other bench, but literally in curling, it's like, well, if she makes this shot then we're kind of screwed and blah, blah, I'm like, she's right there. She's right there behind you. She, she's listening. So I could actually understand it a little bit more in the bubble. But is that like the one thing that you're missing is the Olympics to kind of, kind of not like call it like a whole career, but like, man, if we don't at least go to an Olympics in our career, that's like the biggest, like, what if
0: yeah. I mean, definitely that's the the highest level of achievement in sport. As many top curlers and athletes will tell you, but we all grew up dreaming of winning the Scotties. We didn't dream of going to the Olympics, at least to start out. Um, the Olympic dream kind of came into fruition once we realized that, okay, we could go after it and there's a chance we could actually go, but there's tons of time left. That's the, the beauty of sport is, you know, time goes on and you get another shot at it in four years. And, we're all young and fit enough that we want to keep going and feel we can keep improving of the game. So why not 2026?
1: That's that's fair. I feel like at 2026, I'll be looking at me. Like I really hope that the hockey players and well as well can go for the NHL. I don't know how that is. Cause we've actually had Jennifer Jones on. And when she was talking about the whole Olympic experience this time around to previous ones, it's like, She's like you know it does kind of feel a little bit different because when the nhl is not there you're like you're going over and seeing other people play you're seeing other participants play but it's like you don't see Sidney crosby you don't see like connor mcdavid you're like all right i i'll watch but i'm still kind of like why are you leaving the best in the world out right so i think it's interesting i want to ask you too because in the bubble curling in a bubble compared to curling with fans it's obviously in any sport it's different to have fans but like how did you find that adjustment? Like, was it easier? Was it kind of like, wow, I'm not really feeding off a crowd here. Like how, how was your mental state with that?
0: I was definitely a little bit eerie to start. Like you said, we could hear conversations that you otherwise wouldn't have heard. And also were aware that other people could hear you a lot easier as well, which is something that we kind of had to get over and just understand, you know what, they're going to hear you and accept it because we shouldn't, you know, quiet ourselves or talk in a whisper just because we're afraid of getting heard by the other team. It kind of, we realized that that dulled our energy on the ice and, and to keep the energy, we had to pretend like there were fans and, and speak at normal levels um, and talk to each other the way we normally would. But yeah, I think it was definitely challenging and we did get a bit of a window into what it might be like to be the only shootout there with the no fans because we did get that postponed game against uh, Northwest territories at the Scotties. That was neat and definitely gave us a little bit of preparation for the playoffs, um, something that we weren't expecting, but actually really helped us out uh, later in the week and we were ready to play with the silence out there.
1: I think it's just kind of crazy. Cause when you go back and look at sound bites of like, you know, some people make fun of them or like enjoy them. And it's kind of interesting. Cause I think Laura Walker had like one or two where it was like, when I have to go pee and everyone kind of heard that. And I was just like, probably wouldn't hear that if there's fans there. It's literally like, she might like, you know, you'll have like broadcasts be like, Oh yeah. She went over to one of her teammates and like they whisper something. We don't know what it was, but it's like, okay. But like you literally hear like, I have to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, Okay. Or you hear like Carrie being like oh shit or oh something and you're like, you're like <laughs>
0: you'll hear that's when there's fans out of Carrie's mouth too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's just, like, she's good for those hot mic like, swear moments, but yeah, uh, <laughs> like
1: I, I remember watching the one where it was like, So I'm from Newfoundland, so I thought it was interesting when her and uh, Gushu teamed up for the mixed and they're up against like some hella teams over there and I remember I think she accidentally bumped into one of the younger fellas on the other team and she was like, Oh shit. Or Oh, sorry. And I'm like, Hmm, picked up on it. And then she's like, Oh no, I didn't, I didn't mean you. And then I was just like, it's too late now, Carrie. <laughs> it's like, Mike heard it, but we understand. But I, I, again, you don't, you won't pick up on that stuff most times when there's crowds there, but I want to ask you too, because when you're playing against all these different teams in the world, it's one thing to play against teams in Canada where you understand what exactly they're saying or understand some of the, like, what they're going for. But like, how do you prep for teams where there's a language barrier? Is there any prep where it's kind of like, we have a game plan. Let's stick to our game plan.
0: Uh, we definitely try to stick to our game plan, especially in ends where um, we might have control and can dictate kind of how things go. But no, I don't think the language barrier really comes into play very much because you know I would... Th- almost describe the strategy on the ice as its own language. And, and so everybody that curls is familiar with that. Yeah. So we can kind of guess what teams are going to do. And that's how we play the game is we play our shots based on the assumption of what they're going to play next to. Right. I think we, we definitely are surprised sometimes I would say, but for the most part, not so much. And uh, I think it's just more than anything really cool to play people from across the world and and get to know them on a more personal level. We had some really cool interactions at the world. And then, um, even yeah, after the bronze medal game, just chatting with the the Korean team after the game and, and playing some games with their skip and coach. And, and so it's really cool that we get to be able to do that. And uh, not everybody gets a chance to meet people from across the world like
1: that. Uh, I want to see if this works, but I want to show you an actual screenshot. Now it might block both of our pictures, but I think it's cool because you know, when you see like a generational player or sometimes you do interviews with people and then they're like, Hey, I, I, I'm really big into hockey. So it's interesting to see. when I was watching like the 2003 Stanley cup finals, that's like Anaheim versus New Jersey. And they show a young John S. with like Martin Brodeur. And then now they're playing against each other. I'm like, That's cool, but it's also crazy. And I think this is also kind of cool and crazy, but if you can see that on the screen there, this is where you basically said the dream started after meeting Colleen Jones. I've never met Colleen Jones. I've talked to her one time on a curling show, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. But like, look how young you look there. (laughs) It's like, like, tell me about that. Like, was that kind of, I know you said how you kind of got into curling, but obviously when you meet these people at a young age, does it kind of give you a little bit more of a spark? Like I feel like if I met Connor David today, I'm still 30. I'd probably be like, all right, I'm putting on some skates and trying to make the NHL. It's like, it's over Tobin. I'd be like, still do it though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it was really cool that the world's were hosted in Winnipeg that year. I was I think eight and that was probably my first curling event that I had My parents took me to go see and it was the men and the women. So um, the Furby team was there and then Colleen Jones was there. So I got to meet both teams actually, but uh, Colleen Jones, Kim Kelly definitely became my favorites pretty quick. And they were just at the height of their careers at that time too, and winning quite a bit. And so there was lots to, lots to admire about them. And yeah, it was really cool. My mom dug up that photo after the North Bay And, uh, she kind of pointed to the similarities and yeah, it's really cool to look back and see something like that and and see where I am now and to have met Colleen. And I mean, Kim Kelly came up to me at the Scotties. I think it was, uh, in Moose Jaw there. And she told me that her daughter told her about the photo and, uh, we got to take another picture together. So it was really cool.
1: Do you have moments like, I know with like the team you're on now, and obviously like it, it gains exposure from seeing it on TV and winning, but do you have like, young kids that will come up to you looking for pictures as well?
0: Definitely at Slams and and Curling Canada events I and mean, we can go up to the boards after games and, and sign a couple autographs to a few photos. That's really cool and, and something that we definitely missed during COVID and being the bubble without any fans. We love connecting that way and um, if we can inspire, you know, one or two at the very least kids to get involved with the game or dream big and, and try to reach for some pretty cool goals, then we've accomplished what we set out to do.
1: Do you think it would be weird or eerie if you look at a news article like 10 years from now and like have a picture of like a little girl with you and you're just like, oh, okay. Would, would you kind of be like, oh, it's come full circle?
0: Definitely. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool. And I would love to be somebody who inspires a young champion in the future. So if that ever happened, it would be awesome.
1: I know comparing curling to other sports or anytime you compare sports to another sport, people like, uh, we're all our own different sport, but I I'm not like really heavily into curling. I I like that they do broadcast it more often because you can gain exposure. But I want to ask you like, you know, when you're playing say hockey or basketball, there's always like either a D league or an AHL league. And then you see these people kind of, uh, when they make the pros, that's like your first exposure to them. But I was very shocked. I shouldn't be too shocked, but maybe I'm just kind of stupid when it comes to that stuff. But like, yeah, you've guys have played provincials. You have to move your rankings up. But like how many times is it that when you play a different opponent here in Canada, like, have you played them before? Do you know their shots? Cause I know I was looking up a little bit of stats here. Like in the provincials you have won, I think it's like skipped at the junior level and you won two provincial championships but then you also lost one to uh, Jocelyn. I think it's like Peterman. Wow. I was like, I know it's years later, but there's still times where you're like, huh, it's like Jocelyn with her shots. It's like, Oh, I really wish I I really had to wish I could have waited for that three Pete or at least started the three Pete.
0: Yeah. So I actually lost to Jocelyn in (laughs) the um, Canadian junior final. uh, The first year that I went to the junior nationals and I was actually playing with Sleer and and, Kristen McCush at the time. So it's pretty funny that we're all still on tour and the three of them are now playing together yeah. next year. So things come full circle and that, in that sense as well. And curling is a very small world, but yeah, the two, the two junior titles were super cool. And, um, and I, yeah, we did, I don't know if we. Well, I think I lost the the junior final in Manitoba my last year, so I think I skipped over here. I don't think there was any chance I was going for a repeat there. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I definitely reflect back and and in my time in juniors and um, those two Canadian junior final losses. I lost the second one to Corinne Brown, who was also still around. Those still sting, and I, I definitely wish I could have could have gotten one of those wins back in the day but i think the biggest thing moving forward into women's is is you have all this time and juniors feel in juniors you feel like you're um running out like, of time all the time because you're eating yeah. out and at that point there was so much uncertainty about whether i would actually be able to continue to play at a top level in women's um i didn't really know what was going to happen career wise. I was, um, in university. I didn't know where I was going to go with that and whether I would be able to, um, take the time and make the sacrifice to compete at the level that I am. But, uh, yeah, it all worked out and it's pretty, pretty fun. I'm pretty cool to see the people that I was, uh, playing at a high level with and against in juniors to be, uh, right up there with, with me, um, today. So
1: do you think now, I mean, this is more or less a, a bit of a funny question, I guess, but it's like with all the success the team Anderson has had, like, again, you all are four former skips with your own individual success as well. Do you think that there's a possibility that they're trying to create a super team? Come on, Caitlin laws, Jocelyn. It's almost like, they're like, we know we could beat them in the past. So <laughs> we're just going to all gather together and make one big former like super team. I'd be like, Oh, here we go it's going to be like, you know, the, the year of like 2020 onward, it's like, yeah, curling had the year of the super teams. Now I know they have like rule changes and stuff that obviously like broken up groups and other groups had to create new, uh, curling clubs and whatnot. But at the same time, like you guys stick together, that's great. But do you feel like they're coming for you? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, they're going to be a great team. (laughs) There's no doubt about that. Um, you look at the talent and the accomplishments over the years of all four of those players. Yeah, it's definitely everybody's trying to make the best team that they can because they want that ultimate goal of going to the Olympics and, and, we've been really fortunate in the last quad to have a lot of success and really gel well together. And there's more to come for us and there's so much more to learn about the game. So we're excited about uh, the new teams next year. It's a bit of a a new challenge, a new (laughs) landscape, and we love to be challenged. I think we're going to just take it and run with it and hopefully things keep going the way they've been going.
1: I mean, I don't know. It's interesting to say, I'll ask it to you, but you can feel free to pass on it because it's like, I, I, it's kind of like, you know, you're not in that situation, but just your kind of thought and process on it. But like when you see teams or when like the new rules come out with curling where it's like, all right, like you got to be either a resident of this area or part of this area to be on a team. Like I know you guys didn't separate. You're all fine. But like, how do you feel about other teams that had to split up? Cause like I'm from Newfoundland. I've watched goose. do really well in his curling, but like all of a sudden you lose Brett Gallant and it's like, Oh God, that's a key member. But obviously they'll find a way to uh, replace it and thrive. And cause that's what you do. But how do you feel about that? When, if someone had to come across your team and said, okay, actually you got to go your own separate way. Are you kind of like, all right, new challenge. Are you kind of like, Oh God damn.
0: Yeah. You know, I think because, uh, curling is, and the team is such a big part of our lives. I think we would, you know, jump at any chance to make it work. So, um, yeah, it's definitely unfortunate that there are, you know, certain requirements that players have to make in order to form a team. I think that's part of what makes Canada have so much depth as we have so many great teams. I think if, if there were no residency rules and you were just allowed to create whichever super team you wanted, I, I don't think you'd see as many top teams as we have nowadays. Yeah, I think it's definitely challenging and it, it definitely throws a little bit of a wrench into making plans for a new team. I know when um, we were waiting to hear about the new, the new squads coming out this year, you kind of do the math, figure out, you go back who was born where, who lives yeah. where, uh, what are the possible combinations? And it, it's fun to, you know, hypothesize and, and, and guess that and, and, that our team got to kind of participate in this year is take a sit, uh, take a, a back seat to it all and, and just watch things unfold. <laughs> Quite a bit less stressful, but it was fun to see all the new announcements and uh, I think it's going to be really cool and, and it's going to be a big change for curling fans, but I think it's going to be fun to watch. Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking, who doesn't? But ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors, activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden. Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn, Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mochrie. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us. Women of Ill Repute
1: feel like if you're like a really big curling fan, like a heavy dose curling fan, it's like a free agency day where it's like, okay, so that person's no longer allowed to play on that team. And then you see like, I I love the interaction with social media now because we live in a world that's full of social media. So like that can also gain or, or gain an interest. And I remember like following like Rachel Holman's team for a bit and it was like, Rachel was like, Oh, we're going to tease who our new person is. I was like, stop it. I was like, just announce it. So I know, and I can move, I can move on with my dad. It's like, she's a dog lover. I'm like, okay. It's like, Mm. she's also, and I'm like, who is it? And then you're like picturing it. And then when she announces it, you're like, Oh, okay. Bombshell was not expecting that. It's like, you're almost taking a team that was once together and picking apart that team for different players. But I guess like it's always an occasion that can happen in curling. Like, usually you might see one or two players move around or someone retires, someone comes in, someone like goes off to Pian Chang. And then you get a chance to like, you know, play with that. If you know where I'm going with this, mm-hmm. you got the chance to play with like Jennifer Jones. But like, it's interesting to me for when that kind of things happen because it gains opportunity. It gives you more exposure to like a different perspective, a different face and curling. Speaking a little bit on that, tell me a little bit about how it's, how is it was like to play with Jennifer Jones. Cause I know like if it was me and someone called me and I'm like, you get to play with like you today, or you get to even play with Jennifer Jones. I'd be like, all right, give me like five seconds. I'm going to go over in this room and scream for a bit and then we'll be ready. <laughs> like, how did you take it?
0: <laughs> I think I kind of reacted in that way. It was really funny because we had just, come off of uh, the Manitoba Provincials because they had just won. And obviously that meant that they had to find somebody to replace Caitlin really soon. And we had kind of a, my team at the time I was skipping, had a bit of a disappointing run at the Provincials. We didn't qualify and I I know I didn't play my best. And so I left and was just like, Oh, wow. Like there goes that. And and, uh, that was pretty much the end of our season. We didn't really have anything planned after that. And when Jen won I knew they had to pick somebody and you know, I had my fingers and my toes crossed that maybe I was on that list and when I did get that call it was very exciting and yeah, I think I like agreed on the spot, didn't really care about any other commitments that I had in the next couple of weeks, pretty much dropped most things and I was off to the slam with them the following week and, uh, in practicing and, and off we went and it was really, really cool. I learned so much and it was, that was definitely my goal. I wanted to learn as much as I could from Jen and, and Jill and Don at that event. And just to have my first experience at a Scotty's with that team was just like phenomenal. Yeah, it was, it was super cool. Definitely catapulted me into uh, a little bit of a spotlight, definitely secured my spot on, on my, my current team. So yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome. And uh, I, I would never trade that experience for anything. It was, it was unbelievable. And, and we were so fortunate And I mean, to win that event. My like first Scotties, and uh, playing with a new team. It was, it was super cool.
1: What kind of like advice do you, do you get from like, say a Jennifer Jones, because I know with social media, like I, I believe I'm not going to say she's at the, like kind of the end of her career. Cause we don't know. She could be doing plenty more. Like she could be in this for another four or five years. She's that good. But like I find sometimes on like Twitter or Facebook or whatever, it's like, she's now kind of gone into like that inspirational thing where it's like, if someone says don't quit, don't quit. I'm like, all right, thanks Jen. It's like, but like, what can she give you in the sense of curling? Was she kind of teaching you like, Hey, like feel the crowd out. Was she kind of like, Hey, just be confident in your shot. Cause I feel like with you and Carrie, now I'm saying, I feel like Jennifer Jones has helped in this sense, but if Carrie comes and she's like, I don't know where I want to go with this shot. Like she creates, like get you all together, but I find more times she'll either come to you and be like, how do you feel on this? What do you do with that? And I feel like maybe Jennifer Jones kind of helped in that aspect of having a little bit of confidence in yourself as well.
0: For sure. Well, I think the main thing that they told me heading into it was we want to hear your opinion so don't be afraid to give it and we like we'll take your opinion into account and respect your opinion because we think you're smart and we think you're good at the game and so that was a big confidence boost for me um and i knew that for us to be successful and to be successful off the bat as a foursome they needed that input And, you know, it's a, it's a four person team. And and sometimes people think that the skip has full control of everything, but it's really cool to see how each position contributes to a team in different ways and how that contribution makes the team ultimately successful. So I think that was the biggest thing is giving me that confidence to speak my mind and be myself out there. And then also, yeah, we develop, Friendship noticed that we were pretty similar in a lot of different ways, and so uh, we just connected in that way pretty quickly on the ice and off the ice as well. Just made for a really successful couple months together.
1: It's nice that they like value the input because I mean, now obviously to each their own of like what they garner with success, but it'd be kind of interesting or like to me, kind of funny if like they just bring you up, call you, and be like, Now listen, you do as we say. And that's how it's going to be. And then you're just like, all right, understood. But I like that. They're like, Hey, with everything that they've accomplished they're kind of like, yeah, we're bringing her in, but like, let's, let's see what she's got. Like this is like a new school opinion or maybe they were like, you know, she's done well. So let's see like what she thinks of this shot. I probably know groups. Like I know it's a different sport completely, but when you get called up to like either a hockey game or if you're just getting called up for like basketball or whatever, and they're like, Hey, we kind of got our own formation here. So just follow along with what we do. And you're like, okay, but if you go over and like, actually, can I, uh, can I intervene? They're like, no, shut up. Like we know what we're doing. You're like, <laughs> understood. I, I do think it's interesting. And I guess with the whole role on carries team where there is four skips, it kind of makes sense that, you know, if one person's like not a hundred percent sure of this shot or they're like, all right, what happens if I do this? What do you think they're going to do? there's another skip right there. That's been in those situations, right?
0: Yeah. And it, well, I think for our team, it did take a little bit of time to find the balance of communication when, especially for Brianna and I went to speak up and went to kind of yeah. take a step back and trust that Val and Carrie had it covered essentially. And then also just to, you know, develop a trust. I think it also worked really well because we all had slightly different, skipping styles so we bring in different ideas to the team based on previous experiences and it it helps us grow because we have really collaborative discussions about strategy and and going about things in games and it's really helped us develop as we've gone over those last four years
1: how did you end up being on like team inerson did she like was she looking at like game tape and she's like yeah Shannon. We want Shannon. <laughs> or was it more or less like she was like one day just came across was like, we're looking for someone to replace this person on our team. Uh, let's give her a call. Like how did this whole dynamic come into play? Or did she, or was it like a curling app where you swipe left and swipe right and was like, we both, we both swiped right. <laughs> <Easy>.
0: um, <laughs> no, actually it was that uh, it was before the Scotties and I didn't really know. Like I said, my season was pretty much ended after ending after the, um, the Manitoba provincials before Janet called me. So I was kind of thinking and reflecting about what I wanted to do for the next season. I knew there'd be a number of team changes. So I figured I'd get my name up there a little bit and just kind of see if people are making changes. So, um, yeah, I did send a message to Carrie just kind of Pretty basic. I knew she was going into the wildcard game. I didn't want her to be distracted uh, or anything like that. But um yeah, sent her just a quick message and said maybe we could chat after the Scotties. And then uh yeah, after the Scotties, she reached out to me right away and and said that she had some some ideas about a team and and that she'd been talking to Brianne. And we were initially looking for a lead. And we weren't really sure who that was going to be. And keep in mind, this is all happening in the span of like 48 hours. It was very quick. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so then she told uh, Brianna and I that uh, Val had reached out to her and Brianna and I, neither of us had met Val, really interacted with her. I think Brianna maybe played against her um, once or twice. And so Val didn't know us either, but uh, she reached out to both of us individually once Carrie told her that. She had been talking with the two of us and, and, um, knowing that she was going to come in at, uh, third, it was pretty obvious for Brianna and I to say, okay, like here we've got Val Sweeting, who's super accomplished on her own as a skip, um, with a lot of experience at, at this top level. It makes a lot of sense for her to be third and for us to, slot down into lead and in second and it actually ended up being a really great fit um for our individual skill sets as well because Brian had a great touch game as a skip uh whereas I love to throw you know the big heavy hitters yes. so uh, I think it worked out really well um skill set wise and where we slotted it in experience wise as well and then yeah I think I think in general it was it was pretty cool how it came together. It was very stressful those few days, figuring out what we were going to be doing, but uh, exciting at the same time, um, especially for Brianna and I, who had never really played at the level that we were going to be playing at in the coming
1: year. I feel like as a curler, you're so used to the terms like hard or sweet, but I mean, like, I, I feel like for me I'd wake up in the middle of the night and if I hear hard I'm like <sighs> like in cold sweats because it's just I'm not used to people yelling. <laughs> so I feel like do you ever have those moments i I mean it's fair if you say no but because you're so used to it, but do you ever have moments where it's like you wake up in the night and you're like hearing someone in your head just yelling sweep or hard and you're like, oh man, like not today like it's it's too much
0: <laughs> <laughs> no actually it's it's weird. I don't have as many curling dreams now as I did. When I was a skip, so maybe it's just the wheels are turning more when I was a skip. But I I do not dream about curling very much. Uh,
1: I want to ask you kind of a little bit more of a fun side to get a a little bit away from the curling, a little bit more towards the personal. My favorite thing that I've seen this year in terms of curling, and I know people like that's your favorite thing you've seen, but I'm an East Coaster, so I it kind of ties in together. I really like the ad that you guys did with like bubbles and. I like that, but I also enjoy the fact that it's like, you know, they cut it out on TV. I don't know why they cut it out, but it's like, you don't talk smack or don't talk back to this curler. And I'm like, why? Like, why did you cut that out? That's like a really good line. But tell me a little bit about that. Cause I asked Carrie, not in the interview or in our episode, but just kind of texted her. And I was like, all right, how did that all come together? Cause that looked like you like went out one day, came back, who, who, like, who was asked, who wasn't, because obviously you two were asked, and I don't know where Val and the others were, maybe they had prior engagements, but I was like, interesting, like the interesting dynamic of it all. But did they pitch it to you? Was it a part of sponsorship?
0: Yeah, it's definitely connected to our sponsorship uh, with Points Bet. So they sponsored the uh, Cui team as well. So that's why Kevin and Ben did okay. the commercial. So um, yeah, they just wanted two from the women's team, two from the men's team and uh, just kind of chose us and asked us if we wanted to go it was super random and and but it was so fun like it was a wild like whirlwind 36 hours carrie and i flew to halifax on a sunday and then we got in at like 1 a.m woke up the next day (laughs) to go film for like 9 a.m and and pretty much filmed all day and then went out with the trailer park boys that night so it was really cool and super fun to meet them and get to know them on a more personal level uh, it was definitely, it was hilarious filming. I wish they would release a video of the outtakes cause it was just, we were laughing on. It,
1: it, yeah. It's like, it's too bad with all like the social media that you have, like you don't have to put it on TV, but you could put it on like a YouTube channel or whatever. Cause like it garners interest. But uh, the reason I brought it up is because you see all these other sports with commercials of like their athletes in a commercial, like you see Sonnet with like Jason Spezza or like any Leafs player on a Sonnet commercial So I thought like, Oh, this is like the first time I've seen, you know, curlers in a commercial promoting curling. And it wasn't done in a way where it's like, Hey, check us out. We're curlers. It was done like, all right, like these people are champions just because you think it looks easy. Doesn't mean it looks easy and bubbles proves it. And I'm like, all right. But I just like how it all kind of ties together where it's like wrong lane, buddy. Or it's like, Oh, you aimed it right towards the cart. And then it's like, I think it's like your line is like maybe you should find a different sport. I'm like, "Ooh, damn. It's like that's it's kind of cold, but it's truthful." <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I mean that was the whole point. Um we're supposed to play off of them and, and yeah. it was really fun. They gave us a script and then uh by the time cameras were rolling, they kind of told us to just, you know, uh yeah. say it how you would normally say it or how, or whatever and so there was definitely some ad-libbing in there and it was fun to play around and and really bounce ideas off of them. Um, but yeah, it's fun because it it promotes curling, but it also promotes their app and and their business. So I think it was a, a super unique opportunity. None of us had ever done a commercial like that before. Uh, so it was, fun to learn about uh, that industry and and all the work that goes into it on that side of things. But yeah, I think uh, we're looking forward to possibly doing anything like that in the future. We have no idea if something like that will come along again, but I think we'd welcome it.
1: I know they have like sometimes really cheesy commercials with players. Like I know, but you call it cheesy, but you remember it. Like, I mean, the Raptors have ones where it's like two guys creating a PB and J sandwich. I'm like, are you serious? Like you're telling me you need two players to create a PB and J sandwich. Like, no, but like you remember it cause we're talking about it. So I feel like if you did more curling commercials, it's almost like there either be a part of you that's like, all right, this is really cringy. Or there's a part of you that's like, this is super funny. I enjoy it, but you'll remember it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think most of us <laughs> players at the top level would love to do that kind of thing. It's just a, it's a different change of pace for what we usually yeah. do and yeah, we're used to being on TV and being mic'd and that kind of thing, but not used to being scripted and talking to a camera. So that's a little bit different. And, and I felt like I had to pull out my old like high school drama <laughs> class acting chops. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun and something I, I look forward to hopefully doing in the future again.
1: Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. I want to ask you a little bit about the the background. Cause you did mention earlier about going to, I think you said university of Winnipeg, correct? Uh-huh. Uh, like, what did you take at the university of Winnipeg? I have a communications degree from Carleton that leads to this, but like, Tell me a little bit more about your university experience.
0: Uh, Yeah. So I was in sciences and I majored in biology. So I have a biology degree. Oh, nice. (laughs) I have never made use of it. Um, uh, But that was super interesting to me. And I actually did think that uh, at one point I would apply for dentistry. That was very early on. But obviously once my you know, dreams to play on the big stage for, for curling kind of came into the bigger picture. Um, I had to kind of pivot and think of something that would be flexible enough for me to still play at a high level and anything that I would have otherwise applied to with my science degree would probably have required a master's or some sort of, you know, um, other schooling, which would have prevented me from curling as much as I would have liked to. So yeah, I kind of pivoted into the bookkeeping. I did take a number of like accounting courses in school, but I don't have any kind of degree for that. But my parents (laughs) are both accountants. And um, so they kind of helped me get started. And and, um, I did have experience working at a car dealership in Winnipeg in my early 20s. So, uh, yeah, I, I, in the administrative accounting side of things too. So, um, all that experience, I was, it was able to kind of put together and start my own bookkeeping business. And so I'm able to do that and keeps me free to (laughs) have a schedule that allows me to curl as much as I I want to and train and practice um, when I can as well.
1: Nice. So like when you're not like, so if you're in like the off season of curling, like what kind of things do you do for your downtime? If there is downtime, because I know you're always trying to keep like top shape, top form, all of that. That's why I feel like when people ask me, like, why do you do podcasting? I'm like, Oh, it's simple. You just, you know, if you're good at conversation, you just hop on a mic and talk. It's like, I don't have to go in like a back room here and listen to Rocky and work on my mouth and just be like, You know, like put on like big pump up music and be like, all right, man, I got to work on my muscles today. Like what muscles do you work with? Like, uh, my upper jaw, lower jaw. It's like, don't have to worry about any of that. But like what's basically your regime or whatever in the off season, like what kind of things do you do to keep you either fit or maybe just keep you comfortable being like, Hey, this is my relaxation time.
0: No, definitely. Training in the gym is a big part of the off-season for me. Um, it's definitely a big part of in-season as well, but uh, we try to really ramp it up in the in the summer. And so, yeah, it's four to five times a week. I have a personal trainer in Winnipeg that I go to see. He works with a lot of other curlers. He's really awesome to work with, so I do that during the week and then working otherwise. And then on the weekends, not not yet, but it's it's still pretty cold here. It's not really full summer season. Uh, I hear you. Yeah. It's
1: warm. It looks warm outside. Like not, well, not in this picture, but in real life it looks warm outside, but I went outside today. I'm like, this is good pool weather. No, it's not. It's Newfoundland. It's either fall Mm -hmm. or winter. That's it.
0: Yeah. So we'll try (laughs) to just get to the lake as much as possible. My parents have a cabin on Lake in the woods. So, uh, that's my happy place. That's my relaxation place. Um, or otherwise we, kind of bounce around to a couple friends' cabins and uh, get some good socialization in um, as well. So those are the the big parts of my off season. It's definitely a balance and trying to get good relaxation time, good times with friends that you don't really see very much during the season and uh, just mentally prepare for another, another grueling curling season.
1: I feel like you say that where you're mentally preparing, but come on. It's like, I I know it's kind of cocky to say this, but it's like, you guys are going to do. Okay. I feel like it's fine. Unless you like fall completely off the earth. Then I can understand where it's like, we really need to hit the gym. We really fell. I'm like, I I feel like you're in good hands. (laughs) I want to, I want to ask you to kind of close it out. Uh, We do have a little bit of a fun aspect where it's like, I have a random question generator. So we ask about maybe four or five questions. Sure. I mean,
0: (laughs) we'll see what the questions are
1: who are like maybe the top three artists on your playlists or people that you listen to for like going into a curling event. That's like, all right, I'm putting this on. I know I'm pumped up. I'm ready to go.
0: Oh, going into a curling event. Oh, I get into, you know, different phases. But <laughs> I, I generally can always go back to like Lincoln park as a really, really? good pump okay. up band, listen to a lot of their stuff or like some 41 and that kind of stuff. Nothing really current ever before games. Like I like to listen to, you know, 90s, early 2000s, or even like go back to the 70s, 80s. But I would say those are my big two. And then, I mean, sometimes I'll just like toss on Britney Spears if I I, like really...
1: That's fair. Like, are you, are you more or less a pop person or country person? Or it it doesn't matter as long as it's like a good beat or vibe.
0: Probably more like pop rock, that kind of stuff, less country. I would say I listen to like a little bit of like indie music, but yeah, I definitely gravitate towards, especially like alternative rock from like early 2000s. Okay, so so
1: kind of uh, it's not it's not a, it's not a generated question but just personally for me nickelback what is your thoughts on nickelback
0: nickelback's great and don't okay. judge me for that because <laughs> no, their songs are catchy and they write them all they're great musicians and i don't know why they get the hate that they do because awesome. okay
1: that yeah. that's fair I feel, <laughs> I feel like i was waiting for you to be like like you no know, like nickelback's awesome i'm not even gonna go there i'm like okay i understand that i just feel like there's a point in time where people are like they jump off the boat of Nickelback and we're like, all right, let's, let's pick a band that we hate today and just remain to hate them. I'm like, cool. Mm. I'm not saying that I'm a whole lot of Nickelback lover. I've got like maybe three or four songs, but like it's come and gone. But if someone throws on Nickelback, I'm not in a room going friendship over. This is done. See you. I'm just kind of like, all right, your choice. What is your most embarrassing moment?
0: My God, I'm gonna have to pass on that one. I can't even think of them. They're all repressed, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're
1: gone. They left me. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like any curler would probably be like, now again, this was me not being a curler. Would be like, oh yeah, that time where I fell on the ice on TV. I'd be like, all right, that's probably happened like twenty or thirty times. It's just different because it's all televised now that we see it, but. I feel like that was definitely embarrassing when I
0: fell on the ice, but, and that does not happen very often, Yeah, but I, the most embarrassing thing in my life.
1: No, probably not. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's fair. Okay. What's your favorite go-to movie in terms of like, you can watch it anytime. Happy, sad, mad.
0: This is a tough one. I love movies. So I, wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know how to answer that. There's so many, (laughs) So, so
1: many. No, no, no. We'll, we'll like, like put a, t- a ticking clock here, and it's like an hour later. It's like I love this movie, this movie, this movie. It's like Brian, you had you lost control of your podcast. You let yeah. her go on for an hour of how many movies she liked. I'm like, it's her, it's her podcast. It's her interview. <laughs>
0: Okay. Weird one, but probably like Shrek. It's hilarious. And so funny that or super bad or any of the Harry Potter movies. I love Harry Potter. Really?
1: Okay. (laughs) Wow. Interesting. I would have gone with like Mr. Deeds. I've got Mr. Deeds on DVD and Blu-ray and people are like, really, that's your Adam Sandler go-to movie. I'm like, I'm like, there's a story behind it. When I had like a seizure, when I was in like hospital when I was like 12, you turn on TBS. Cause like they had, like, this is way back. You just had a TV that kind of came out. And, um, the guy next to me left, he went back to bell Island cause he was able to go. And I was like, everyone gets to leave the hospital, but me, this is crap. And then I was like, all right, let's turn on TBS and see what's on. It's like two 30 in the morning. And Mr. Deeds was on. I was like, I've lost the remote. I cannot reach the remote. I guess I'm watching this movie. Oh. <laughs> and then I joined, I, I just grew to love it. And now I have it on like nearly every platform you can, but I mean, yeah, that's, no. that's the way, that's the way life works. Sometimes there's other yeah. Adam Sandler movies where I'm like, if that had to be on, I don't care how sick I was. I will find the remote and be like, Adam, not today. It's like, love you, <laughs> buddy, but not today. Thank you so much for doing this. And, uh, I wish you nothing but the success going forward. Uh, unless you're going against like, you know, Gushu in like a, a tournament or something. I'm like, sorry. I got to go with Gushu.
0: <laughs> I don't know the next time I'll be playing
1: him, but... <laughs> it could be like a celebrity event or something. It'd be like, yeah. I don't know, Family Feud Canada, like Enerson versus Gooshu. Like, I really want to go for Enerson, but...
0: That's a great idea. Yeah. I'd
1: do that. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Hit, pitch it. I'd watch yeah. it. I'd watch it. I'd be like, Shannon's answer's better I'd be like, all right, top 10 movies in the 2000s. I'm like, she's going to go with Shrek, isn't she? i have to be up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Shannon Burchard for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob Sang. Thank you for listening, and good night.